What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I'm Mark Stan. Today's show is sponsored by our wonderful patrons and academies. And we have two new patrons this week. Please, ladies and gentlemen, be upstanding for Amanda Fullwood and Josh Sure thing. Thank you both and all of our patrons and all of our academates, because seriously, we could not keep this podcast going without your continuing support. Thank you all, you wonderful people. Absolutely. And if you'd like to support this show, pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. Hello, Mr. State. It's what is this? We're doing this podcast every week again for a bit. There's so much going on. We're having to cram it all in. I'm even speaking faster than normal. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's listening to us... If anyone's listening to us on 1.5 speed and we're super excited, you know, it's equivalent of listening to us on three times speed, which is pretty scary. How did we do this every week? I, mean, I have uh, no it's... idea. <laughs> it was when we were young. It was when we were young and youthful. We were leaping around, you know, and now we're kind of like a few books down the road and a couple of movies under your belt. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> very, very frail. Very frail. Absolutely. How are you keeping, sir? I'm really good. It's uh, I it, well, it has been a bit bonkers. It has been a very, very busy. All sorts of stuff happening with the book, um, signing book plates and things like that, which is exciting and getting stuff out there. And and then I did this. Um, <laughs> we did, we did. You know, you, you have unboxing videos, author unboxing videos, mm. and uh, I've done one before. I did one for the end of Magic, where we sort of recreated that little moment at the end of Back to the Future, which was fun. And a lot of them are, are kind of, you know. It's it's an author opening a box. You've got the author's moment of joy as they see their book for the first time. Well, I'm in lockdown with a bunch of really talented filmmakers. So we're not just going to do opening a box. So I came up with a little idea that ties into the book with the scarecrow and all kinds of stuff, very similar to the trailer we did last summer. And um, we had a bit of snow Sunday morning, you know, and it lasted two hours, you know. Yes, you know, cla- that's like the a, British winter. Exactly. That's Started it. That's, and finished. That's, that's, that's our white Christmas in the middle of January. Uh, so we rushed outside and did a, a, did a quick video. And um, my daughter and her boyfriend, Kai, you know, they're filmmakers. He's got this amazing camera. And uh, he did the edit and put it together. And we, I popped it up uh, Monday morning. And uh, within 48 hours, it's had over 10,000 views. Here's the thing. So this is what I saw at my end. I know that you mentioned you were going to do something a bit different for the unboxing video. And the first thing I saw of it was, was it popped up on your Facebook page, I think. And I thought, oh my God. And I watched it. And the the first thing I thought is, this is stunning. I mean, the, the, it looks like a movie, like Mm. the quality of the film is amazing. And, and then, then I started thinking, how long has he been? He must have been working on this 
for like six months. Little, no. The fact that you've completely blown it there by saying you whack that together. But you know what? If you can do that in a morning, it's absolutely brilliant. And 10,000 views before the book's even launched. And it's going to, I mean, I said, I said earlier, didn't I, that that's possibly tipping point material. I mean, once, once you get to that kind of level of views, that is phenomenal. But you've it's, you've also set in a standard for um you see really people now looking at that thinking oh crap how am I gonna how am I gonna top that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sorry if I've ruined unboxing videos I, I really am but it's funny all my film nerd friends have got in touch and said love the grading on that that grading oh. is fantastic you know John John Wright who did Robot Overlords and doing the Little People you know his his comment was nice grading nice you know, grading so. <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> you can tell the film notes yeah. yeah 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 i think i think it's brilliant mark i think it's it's super inventive for people that have just literally crash landed there are some people that will be sitting here thinking what on earth are these chat what even is the bestseller experiment if you just crash landed on this podcast and you you know you're from another another universe and you're wondering what we're talking about um mark's got a book coming out very very soon what's the release date mark Fourth of February, fourth of February, fourth of February, and so we are taking a little bit of liberties in the next couple of episodes because we really want to take you on the journey. I mean, this is what we do: we talk about the author's journey. We've interviewed many best-selling authors. Mark has got a three-book deal with Simon Schuster for this. This is like big stuff, and for everyone who's journeyed with us from the beginning, this is this is real. They, you can go back to episode one, and as people have done, and follow this through. This is the happening live and direct. So we have to talk about it. <laughs> but one of the things that. Um, one of the things that I find super exciting is that I'm seeing a lot of the things that we talked about on the podcast. You know, it's like osmosis. You've been talking to all these authors and there's so many ideas that you're putting into this. I think your publishers, they must be absolutely thrilled because like, how often do they get a, an author who's <laughs> creating an unboxing video, for example, like that? I mean, that's pretty unusual. Well, it's, it's something we're going to talk about with our special guest on the podcast today because he has also been, well he's been super innovative innovative he's done really well and um <laughs> he's been very clever and he's had some really clever ideas i think this is the thing now if you are an author because publishers are, you know they're under-resourced you know they've got so many books to put out and i think if you if you do make an effort they take notice and they get on board and it allows yeah. them to concentrate on what I frankly think is the really important stuff, you know, the Facebook ads, the Amazon ads, stuff like that. So Yeah, it's a partnership. Yeah. That's how I yeah. see it now. It used yeah. to be, and it was the same in the music industry, you know, you used to have somebody being um, taken on by a, a label and they were literally bought in and said, right, your job is to stand on stage and pr sing and try not to, you know, try to speak like coherently during an interview and we'll take <laughs> care of everything else. Yeah. Whereas now, even in the music industry, same as same as publishing industry, the more we can do as authors, and in fact, there is a little bit I think in the in the trad world now is that authors can pick and choose if they've got to choose two authors, and one of them's like you know got a mailing list of ten thousand, and they're proactively doing YouTube videos or you know Q and As with fans, etc. You know, if, it's, if they don't know which one to choose, that becomes a deciding factor in some regards. It, do you think? I, well, I don't know. I, I don't think it ever comes. It, as oh we're going to have this author or this author it never really comes down to that but mm. i think it helps i think it will it it's just something on your portfolio i mean frankly when it comes down to it all they really care about is the writing good can they sell it but anything else is frosting on the cake and mm. um that that will definitely help you uh, and what we see what i've seen this year during lockdown is trad authors looking at what indie authors have been doing and going okay we have to do that now 
I can't go to a festival. I can't go to a bookshop signing. So I'm going to have to do something remarkable. So, you know, you've got people like Rowan Coleman. Um, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but Rowan is doing, uh, because she's written these books about the, the Bronte sisters solving mysteries and they're really good fun. And so on her Instagram, Every lunchtime, she or gets another author in, and I've done one, to read a chapter from Jane Eyre. And it's just great. It ties in. It's on theme. It's going to attract the kind of people who will read her books and be interested in her books. And it's it's really clever. So you're seeing a lot more authors realizing they've kind of, you know, got to got to do what the indie authors have been doing for a while anyway. And this is what's fascinating about our guest today, because he's taken that indie mentality, brought it to a traditional publisher, and just it's been amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Before we dive into that interview, we have had a lot of dream declarations. Last week, we did ask people, we said it's beginning of the year, let's get those dream declarations down. We've had a lot of people send those in. We're going to be talking about those at the end of the show. So if you've sent yours in or you want to work out what a dream declaration is, or most importantly, be inspired by what other people are planning to do, and you're still thinking about yours, you're not too sure what you're going to do. And if you haven't got one, Seriously, folks, don't don't spend the rest of this year not having a dream declaration. If you don't have a dream declaration, then you're missing out on a big part of this journey. Um, but we'll be talking about those with social media towards the end. But one thing we should mention, Mark, is that next week we have got a very special episode to tie in with your Crowfolk release which will be happening on the 4th of Feb. So, um, yeah, we've got a few surprises, so we're going to be doing a dedicated show to that. But um, you're also going to be doing a launch show, a, launch, a kind of a live launch party online as well, which is something that's very much in trend right now. How's the prep for that going? Uh, well, the costumes have arrived. Good. Uh, that's not a joke. I've got, we're dressing oh. up. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the dress code is 1940s England home front. So uh, make sure you dress up. Uh, you know, so uh, there will be jam roly polies. Um, there will be bunting, uh, but yeah, we're going to have lots of fun. I mean, this is, this is what I talk about. Yeah. This is the sort of thing I might have gone to local bookshops and said, Hey, so we have a, a launch party. I mean, I was talking to, I, I was talking to Waterstones, you know, before Christmas and they were up for it, but mm. can't do that now. So, um, you know, so we're going online, uh, which is great because it means anywhere in the world you can come join in and have fun with us and also it's recorded so it's going to be on youtube it's going to be on facebook uh, i'm using Streamyard to do it which is something our guests used this week as well for for their launch party uh and it's it's great everyone can just join in stay as long as you like you know you don't have to stay the whole thing because that's the other thing with launch parties because you know you got you can't leave early it's you, you it will be noticed whereas you know <laughs> So, you know, just pop in and out, say hello. <laughs> Question, because if people haven't listened to uh, season one of our podcast, they might not know that we did the mother. Mm. We did the mother of all launch parties. I think, I don't even know, like, did we ever submit it to the Guinness Book of Records? I don't think we did, did we? We should, <laughs> we should for fun. We did a round-the-clock, 24-hour launch party. I don't think that's ever been topped, has it? It was it was such a strange day because that was the day where the sand from the Sahara came over London and the sky turned red. It was just bizarre, absolutely. Which would have been bizarre. amazing if it was for our guests' launch because that would have tied in beautifully with this book. But there was a lot of weird <laughs> stuff in our book that could, could have linked work with that as well for sure. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me you walked to the you walked to the office, didn't you? Because you were mm. you were doing the launch in from Orion's offices. Yeah, and yeah, it was like blood red sky and looked like we we're all going to get kind of sucked up by some spaceship yep <laughs> and then we had the crazy thing that happened that was on launch day as well wasn't it where you then went 
<laughs> you were you're on your way home and you get a text from me. That was on launch day, wasn't it? That when was Neil- I was I was in St Pancras Station. Uh, I was having a cup of tea before I got on the train home. I was absolutely exhausted, and then you got in touch because you'd been prodding uh, a certain author online <laughs> who, who who took the bait, uh- <laughs> <laughs> Mister Neil Gaiman. We absolutely yeah. salute you. It was one of the highlights of our launch. It was brilliant. Neil Gaiman retweeted our book to all of his fans, all of his like. 3,000 million fans that he has in the world. Um, because what had actually happened is we had um, we had gone above him in the Amazon charts. We hit the bestseller list and we'd gone above it. And there's a theme again today with Terry Pratchett, yeah. Neil Gaiman, and Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman in, in Just Good bizarre. Omens. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> what, what a brilliant day. But um, oh. yeah, I think, uh, so if you've, let, let's, let's, let's put, put a request out to our readers. If you've had either a very bizarre book launch we want to hear about it. the funniest thing that has happened to you on a book launch either one that you've been at or one that you've done um and also some unusual ways to launch books let's let's open that up to everyone if you want to get in touch with us um, drop us a note on twitter come to the website bestsellerexperiment.com and click on the contact us button that is the magic route to me and mark if you set, fill out that form mark and i get that form we read them um so so please send us your stories because uh, we'd love to hear about those um, because there's quite a theme of launches right now, isn't there? Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. Absolutely. And ties us into our wonderful guest that we have. This is a roller coaster. Um, Mark, tell us about tell us about our guest this week. Well, today we see the triumphant return of Cueve McDonald. Cueve McDonald was a former stand-up comedian, TV writer, uh, born in Limerick, raised in Dublin. He now lives in Manchester in the UK. Uh, he's written for the likes of Sarah Millican, Mock the Week, Have I Got This For You. He was nominated for a BAFTA with the CBBC animated series Pet Squad, but uh, he's also a massively successful indie author of the Bunny McGarry books, the Dublin trilogy, McGarry Stateside, and standalones like Welcome to Noah. But... Now we have his book, Stranger Times, which is published by Transworld. So he's done that, done that shift over from indie, and he's still publishing indie books, to trad publishing. Um, so this was recorded back in, in November. We discussed the change from indie to traditional. We talk about his brilliant, brilliant marketing device, which will I won't spoil it for you. We talk about TV rights, foreign language rights, why selling humor is tricky, and authors being a squeaky wheel. Absolutely brilliant. So, if you if you've you may have heard of you may have heard of us mention Queeve a number of times because he is part of our BXP team. So we've had the privilege. This has been like having done this show now for four, four years plus. We've had the privilege of seeing this journey like almost stage by stage happening, and it, it makes it that much more exciting to bring you this episode to see this incredible success that has become. So let's have a listen to Mark interviewing none other than the wonderfully brilliant and funny Queeve McDonald. Queeve McDonald, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today, sir? I'm very well. How's yourself? Tickety-boo, thank you. Very good. For all the better, all the better, having read The Stranger Times, I've got to say, I, I, I had... All this time to kill. I had a day in London, don't ask, where I had nothing to do all day. It was a Sunday. It was like the beginning of 28 days later. Uh, and I, I was wandering around London and sitting down frequently to read this book. And it is genuinely, uh, you know, a patient. It's like you sat down and said, what would Mark really like? And you just wrote that book. So yeah. thank you for that. I don't know what my, anyone else was, is going to make of it. <laughs> that was my main motivation. It's just I've got to try and get Mark stay happy for it. I've got to fill that Sunday, that day that he has to bring yes, his, his yes. son to 
I think it was for an audition, wasn't it? You wrote it. I think I saw he, you. he was he was he was filming a Netflix show. You know, uh, oh. he's he's. Yeah, oh. I know. I know. Oh, I know. There's no call for that. Uh. Mind you, I do I do sort of tangentially know the guy who's uh, Spider Man's dad. You know, uh, Tom Holland's dad. Is oh yeah, 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 And he does do he does blogs and stuff about uh, what it's like having your son being way more successful than you. By all yeah, accounts, yes. I'm not, by all accounts, they're a little bit awkward to read. Uh, <laughs> like, like, e. uh, Listen, I can't wait. I'm very. I'm looking forward to being a kept man. He owes me big time. Uh, so. He could be the new. I mean, it's the new Iron Man. They're probably going to get one. Of the, they're going to bring that back at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just hanging there long enough, he eventually gets some sort of superhero role. Stranger Time, Stranger Time. Now, here's the weird thing about this, Queef. You know, when we last spoke to you, indie author, huge successes with the Bunny McGarry books, the, the Dublin trilogy. Uh, you've done standalones like Welcome to Nowhere. And then, wait, let me look on the back. of the, First of all, this is a proof copy, and it's published by Bantam, which is part of Transworld. You've gone tread. What happened? Yeah, I jumped the fence. Uh, I've become hybrid, mainly because I thought the, the name sounded cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, it kind of what genuinely what happened was, um, I mean, a couple of years ago, I sort of was looking for... I kind of had to get an agent and stuff because for various different reasons it made sense even as an indie to have an agent and all that. And when you were talking to agents, weirdly, genuinely, the thing with the, with the bunny books is, uh, as any self-published author who's kind of done well will tell you, I think they have done this in the past, but it doesn't really happen anymore where someone does really well as self-published and they get taken on as uh, traditionally published. Because to frankly, as to quote Ed, our agent, um, nobody would pay you enough money for this to make sense for to take it off you because when they're already established, they just don't do that. So the question you kind of get asked all the time was, as soon as I was getting an agent was, well, what else are you going to, you know, what else are you going to do? The reason to, to do something traditional route, I think the logic behind it was, there is, I mean, look, I'm very happy being indie. All those books are staying in India, as I said, but it was kind of like there is, there's a whole market there that you're maybe not getting into a different world in the sense that, you know, indies really don't have a hard time getting into bookshops and stuff like that. There's a whole different world there. Um, and it made sense, frankly, from a business point of view, as well as everything else you go, well, if people read something that's in a different, you know, a different area there, they might come back to the other books. So it sort of makes sense in that regard. And again, it was, it was one of these things where I basically, uh, I had, I was at, we looked at different ideas for a book. Weirdly, The Stranger Times, the first few chapters I had as a sitcom about 10 or 15 years ago that <laughs> I I wrote and my then agent genuinely never sent it to anyone as far as I could tell. Like she just didn't get it. She didn't understand what I, what, what was the point of this thing at all. And weirdly, I had this period where I was kind of, I just finished a bunny book and I was kind of had to go through the ideas of what I was going to write. And there was, it was one of these things where people said, are you going to write a more serious crime book now? Like that was the thinking. And even I had sort of ideas where I was thinking that way. Then weirdly, I honestly remember the day distinctly. I woke up, I was in the shower, which is where I do most of my thinking. Um, genuinely, it is now. It's where I do most of my thinking. Um, I was in the shower and I remembered that the Stranger Times idea. Um, and then I was like, oh, yeah, there was that. And then I, started, I literally had to walk to my office 20 minutes away in Manchester. And by the time I got to my office, I just went, ah, oh, screw it. I'm just going to write that. That's not the serious crime <laughs> book idea. But it's, I mean, it's a paranormal idea. And I was kind of just... I've always really enjoyed the idea of it. It's kind of, just to tell people briefly, it's based in a, a newspaper, which it made, I, I was walking through Manchester and I said, I can write that in Manchester. And it always kind of annoyed me. I hadn't written anything in Manchester, which is where I 
live, by the way. And it just sort of went, I can put it in Manchester. And it was one of those things, you know yourself, when you have an idea and things just start clicking really fast. Yeah, it's that sort it. of dangerous mind moment where it's like things are flying <laughs> left, right and center. And you're just going to try and remember everything. Go, oh, geez, yeah. Um, and it was just so I just thought, oh, it could be in Manchester. And then yeah, that would give it a nice feel. And that would be, um, and by the time I got there, I think I literally just sort of, and by that point, I think, yeah, I hadn't even, at that point, I was kind of going through the process with ages. I'd be talking to a few, and it kind of come down to two or mainly two there was kind of a couple more knocking around but mainly two uh, and i explained it to them and i sent them the pitch for it and stuff and then actually i had meetings with them and that idea was discussed in it um and honestly i don't mind saying this ed won't mind me saying it the reason i went with ed is uh one of the other agents were, was like said oh it's kind of like ben it's like i said it's like ben aranovich and he went yeah oh i'm gonna look in to see how well his books sell like that was the idea whereas ed went well ben aranovich sells great he does really well in these territories and he's like we certainly went it was because they're both good ages and he just sort of went, he seems to know more about this. <laughs> like, and it was the moment, weirdly, where I used this book to get my agent and then my agent got me this publishing deal. So, yeah, the, the, it kind of came together and I enjoyed writing it and, and uh, it was an exciting thing to do. And then, yeah, we sort of we got the book completed and then Ed started um, hawking it around. Brilliant. Uh, uh, Ed... On my Witches of Woodville book, we were talking about word count, and he knows the word count of the first dozen or so Terry Pratchett books. You know, oh, wow. That's I the kind that's, of knowledge cool. he has got. He sent me a little chart and everything. It was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got, he's got, he's got very good insight. I mean, and I hate bigging him up. We have to. I mean, he's also very bald. Let's just even it out. He's tremendously bald. Like it was like it's not even just there's no hair. His head looks like the absence of hair. It looks like my if you put a wig on it, it would disappear. That's how bald he is. (laughs) Let me just even that out, right? Um, (laughs) But yeah, he has very he has he has very good instincts, and he's genuinely was like, yeah, "Yeah, this this is you know, and he and he sort of went, um, and then we started going into the process, and that process was was something I'd never been in before, and Ed was 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 great to kind of going through that. So yeah. What were the what were the big surprises? So you talked about the process. That is you submitting a book to publishers via an agent. What surprised you about? Did it take an awfully long time, or was it quick? What what was it like? It was it was very odd in some ways because I think I mentioned the last time I was on the podcast. But basically, we did this thing that I did because it was set in the newspaper. I kind of went right. Weirdly, I did an Edinburgh show fifteen years ago where it was about the predictions of the future. I did a thing at Edinburgh. I did a newspaper up, and I actually had this four page newspaper. And it was a great idea. And I remember with a tragic moment in Edinburgh, well, the show wasn't great, but the, the pit, I basically was, the, the show ended up being, ironically, thing I didn't spend enough time on. I spent too much time on everything else. But yes, um, this newspaper, I remember someone saying to me going, oh, this is amazing. This is the best promotional thing I've ever seen in the Edinburgh Festival. What's it for? I was like, oh. <laughs> so the thing is, we did that and we sort of, and then we had the idea when there's a newspaper, I was talking to my wife about it, Elaine, who sort of runs the, you know, we, she runs our company and all that. She's the CEO of my publishing company. Um, and we were, we were talking about, well, we did that before and people really liked it. And we went, well, let's do it again. You know, let's make a copy of The Stranger Times. Um, so we did. And I kind of explained it to Ed and he got the idea. And I have to say that worked amazingly well to the point where like, and I was, it was one of these things where I think, we were really certain it would work. And then Ed kind of got on board. And then it's one of these further down the process because it was, you used a few different points like for TV deals and stuff, sending it out. And every time I was like, send out the paper, send out the paper because it's something different nobody hasn't seen. And I remember talking to Ed and when he came back and he, and he said like, well, how's it going? And he said, well, let me put it this way. Uh, I sent it out to 15 
things, whatever. Yeah, I've had people I didn't send the paper to because he sent it out before <laughs> the manuscript. I've had people I didn't send the paper to ring up and give out because they didn't get it. Um, <laughs> so he said, we have to get more copies of the paper. Um, and then, so basically we did that. Some people sort of really liked the idea. Then we sent out the manuscript. I think it was like a week or 10 days later. I think Ed actually did quite a funny note. Oh, he's coming out of this far too well. But he actually did a quite funny <laughs> note on the manuscript. Um, and he sent it around. And then, and that sort of did, and it was interesting to be honest, because obviously it's a funny book. Like it's, it's primarily a thriller, but there is a, a strong com- comedy element. I think what was interesting in the process is kind of I had this before when I started off my very first book and looked for an agent and stuff and didn't get any interest, that's to be said, in publishers and stuff. People didn't like the like funny people. Like people in British publishing, if a funny person writes a book like David Williams or, or Sarah Millican or any Lee Mack, you name them, and pretty much all of them have written a book at this point. They like that because they know where to sell that. They know where they're putting it. But actually, just sort of funny books, British publishing, and I've been told this by a lot of people at this point, they kind of get a bit scared of it. Mm. So, um, like, we ended up, uh, Transworld actually came back very fast. Um, they were like the first major offer in, and, and they were really keen. And Simon, the editor, what was really, I mean, you know, and they went, they were Terry Pratchett's publisher. He's my all time god, as you well know. And they came back, and then you know, and that was kind of like got me right in the you know, it has to be a business decision. But there was like, oh wow, that's 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 the name <laughs> that's on the books that I kind of fell asleep reading as a kid. So you know, things like that do get into you, of course they do. And they came back first, they were really keen. Other people were coming in, there were a lot of other interests and stuff. And interestingly, genuinely, I can say this, I don't think anyone will mind. A couple, we'd least one other editor in a major fantasy publisher in Britain who was really annoyed because she, he or she, uh, loved it, <laughs> loved the book. And actually the feedback was, I went to my bosses and they said, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get in like, because they were scared of the funny thing. Now, weirdly, um, and here's a stereotype that's killed once for all, for me at least, uh, in Germany, they didn't mind it being funny at all. Weirdly, mm. in Germany, um, we ended up with a, a like we got a, a very good deal, I'm very happy with in Britain. Um, we got a, a, a big deal in Germany. Weirdly, we had nine or ten publishers, and that yeah. was re- that's really. I mean, you know this from all your time in publishing. That was really odd. I'll give you the week this ha- where they, it was out for like ten days because they give them a time limit to come back. I can remember Helen, who works with Ed, who does all the foreign rights. She sent me an email like on a a Monday saying, "Oh, we've had our first offer, and it was for you know a little bit of money for like the three. You know, they, they kind of do a thing where they it's the same amount per book for three books. It's mm. always three books all the way through, I guess, but it wasn't." You know, it was nice. And he said, oh, it's a good start. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And, you know, I wasn't really paying much attention because I thought, well, the main one is the English one. And then, weirdly, the next week, we were selling our flat and the entire bottom floor of the building flooded. Yes, uh, and I, I was this. like, going, yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst day ever. I can remember I had to go and get physio because my back was screwed up. I came home. I met the thing. He said, yeah, this, and it's like the whole building's underground. You're It'll take three weeks to get your car out from the basement car park it was in. And I was like, I was like, and I, at this point I decided I desperately wanted to get out and live in a house and I desperately wanted to get a dog. And I was like, it's not going to happen. None of that's going to happen. And I weirdly came in, sat down and I looked at my emails. I got the email from Helen saying, basically, we've had this offer from Germany. And it was one of these things where you go, wow. Uh, <laughs> that's twice the size of the other one. And I was like... <laughs> And it was like, it was such an odd moment because I was in such a bad mood that like physically 
I couldn't turn it around. So I like read it and went, that's extraordinary. And then I had to sort of come back like 10 minutes later and read it again and go get a bit happier. It was like it took me a long time to actually get to the point. I remember even trying to ring my wife at work and she frankly was avoiding the call because he was like, he's found out about the flood and he's going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and I kept ringing her going, you need to ring, like, like, we need to talk and it's good news. And it was like, um, and we were like, wow. And then I was, you know, and that's, I mean, that's the big, to go back to the sort of serious thing about being Indian and trad, the, the foreign rights is something that's happened quite a bit in the last couple of years. That's something that trad, I think, is you can sell foreign rights for indie books. And they do like I will say this. I once that started happening, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to get an agent, because I was like, I don't know who's a good publisher in the Czech Republic. And, you know, and Google ain't going to be something you can trust. You need people who really do know that area. Um, Mm. And the great thing, again, by having a trad book is like we've had things now where literally we got deals in Russia, which is not huge money, but it's like. They basically signed up the Dublin books and they took the Stranger Times at the same time because, you know, so it's this sort of nice thing of having both sides of it is that both these things can happen together. So we sort of ended up getting deals for the Dublin books because they were already looking at the Stranger Times and already had them in conversations and stuff. So, yeah, the process was kind of just the publishing deal side of it was amazingly exciting and and um and to be fair, the Germans, yeah, I think, to be honest, to be entirely honest, this is only my guess. But I know Ben Aranovich, who the books, are, they're very different, but they have been compared to them. I think, it, look, it's a good yeah. comparison. I don't mind. I'm also a massive fan of those books. Um, very different in a lot of ways, but, you know, they're they're fabulous books. But I think publishers probably see that as similar. Um, yeah. I get the definite impression that Ben Aranovich is very big in Germany because I think you might have seen his last release. His last couple of books have been set there haven't they yeah yeah he did a novella yeah, he did a novella man. the october man and i think and there's something yeah. coming out again there and even yeah. when I, I even i saw that and without seeing any numbers and stuff i thought well logically that probably means not you know he's not that's not cynical or anything he's just he had an idea and it made sense and obviously there was a lot of interest and i do think possibly that they maybe looked at that and went which is i guess is is something happens where where, where I mean, it's also those big books are massive in Britain. So I don't know why that didn't happen quite the same way here. But yeah. So yeah, there's there's all these little things. And I guess certainly in the German side, I've got to say it was probably right place at the right time in that regard. But yeah, so it's been it's been an interesting and and kind of exciting thing. And I have to say, you know, it's been it's been great. Um yeah, so anyway, I should let you talk for a bit. <laughs> no, I've been I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's a roller coaster ride. I'd like to talk a bit more about something you said about people being scared of the funny thing because i i kind of know what you mean but for our listeners uh try and can we try and define what that is because this i mean this i've got a copy of the paper here which i believe you don't have anymore so i'll have to yeah. post it back to you uh, <laughs> i probably should get more of them yeah and it is is eight pages and it's it's full color and it looks just like a proper newspaper full of brilliant stories absolutely brilliant stories and and a crossword for psychics which the only clue is like you need us to tell you Uh, (laughs) uh, really really funny but yeah publishers can be a bit wary of straight flat out comedy can't they yeah i mean i think they do get nervous about it and i think it's it's an interesting thing where um I mean, first off, I think the big thing, as as you said before, is I don't think comedy is a genre. I think it's a style. Mm. I think you have to you have to make sure that you're telling the story first and foremost. And I think a lot of comedy books so-called fall down the fact that they're not really staying true to story and staying true to character, which I'd like to think is something I do try and make sure I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's the big thing. But yeah, I, I, 
I don't know why this this excellent books that have been you know funny before. I just this I think it's one of these sort of received wisdom things. Um, so it's but again they love funny books by funny people, but like the people will know. But again, they're they're scared of I think funny novels in particular. Not always, but I think it's maybe a harder sell. What do you think? I think so. I think it's so comedy is so subjective. Whereas if you say to a thriller reader here i've got a thriller as a detective and there's this and blah, blah, blah. you can quantify that you can sit in an acquisitions meeting and say you know what i know for sure we can sell that many copies of this or we might sell these rights of that with comedy it anything that is it leans heavily into humor there is a definite marmite thing going on you know uh and it, it could you know i remember anthony horowitz orion paid a lot of money for an anthony horowitz book called the killing joke and it died on its ass and I think that bled through the industry, people thinking, okay, if someone like Horowitz can't do it, then we'll run away frightened from straight out comedy. So it's ah, um, interesting. It, 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 it can it can really, really scare people because uh, it is so subjective. I did get I've never heard the name, but I I did get the impression that somewhere down the line there must be a couple of books that editors know about that they must have decided rightly or wrongly, oh okay, well that's um, you know. Um yeah, and I guess whereas Clearly, in Germany and stuff, they don't have the same thing. So, no, no, absolutely. Let's talk about that. Uh, the other side of the transition, where you are for the first time relinquishing control of certain things. So, things like cover art, and you're, you know, the the, the Bunny McGarry books have such striking cover art; they're being copied by indie authors left, right, and centre, <laughs> which is a compliment. Yeah. Uh, so, name and no you know, former you... Scottish bands. <laughs> moving on, yeah. <laughs> So you've got, you know, you've been very good with your cover art. You, you know, you, you, you've obviously had, you know, a big hand in that. Things like editors, uh, all sorts of stuff that you're relinquishing control. The marketing has that been kind of scary for you? Yeah, I can say. I mean, I'll be honest. It was, it was a sort of worry where you, you do hear nightmare stories about somebody got a cover they hated or the book was pushed in a way they didn't want and stuff. Um, I can honestly say, hand on heart, um, Transworld have been great to deal with. There, it's been, it's been really. I think it's been really good. I think they've been pleasantly surprised because we're not the same as probably an ordinary author. Because like I'm technically a debut author in this situation, and I'm, but we're not the normal thing. Because like. Again, as we said before, my wife is um, now works full time in our company, McFory Inc. She's comes from a marketing background and an editorial background, so like we sort of had things we can do to market, and we had all these ideas which we can get into later on. So we sort of are doing stuff that maybe people wouldn't normally do, and they're like, "Oh wow, this is great because this gives us a different area." So they're doing their stuff, and they're you know they're doing good work and getting us in places and stuff, and. I think it's the two are combining well, to be honest. And I think they're enjoying the fact that um, we have a lot of ideas because, so you know yourself, Person Writes Book, it's a pretty tough sell. Like if it's a, yes. if it's a novel yeah. to get anyone press and stuff interested, because there's so many of them now, let's be honest. Um, and we were like before, it's we had to, you know, we had to hustle to get any press because when you're indie, you do, you just don't get that kind of thing. And we had to hustle to get what we did. And so we're kind of used to doing that, which is good because we got a few connections already that maybe people wouldn't have had. If, they, if it was a genuine starting debut author. Um, so th- honestly, it's been, it's been re- our, our editor has been great. And then we sort of had the marketing people and the PR uh, people have been in, they've been really good. And I think it's good that we know we can ask questions and we, you know, I've not been afraid to ask questions. And at the same time, in the best way possible, if you want something to happen, you kind of go, what's going on here? We can sort of, you know, you, it's one of these things where you, I think you said actually the earliest piece of advice when I was asking you about it was, was, 
you know, build a good relationship and be the squeaky wheel. Make sure you're you're sort of asking the question and because look, everyone knows there's lots of things going through. You've got a set amount in their time of these people, you know, and you want to make sure you get the most out of it. And um, and again, things like the newspaper. Our first thing was we should use that, and they've actually used that, and it's gone really well. They have got on board and done that, and we've sort of said all the way along because, like, we sent it to Jenny with the newspaper. We had the same where we sent it to publishers, not worked really well. Then when the TV interest started happening, which was up, do you want to talk about that? Because that was a really bizarre part of the process. Um, oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just I mean, as you know, again, it's one of these things people always ask about because basically it's got option for TV, which is great, and you know it's a really good company called Playground who, who are behind it now. Um, but the, I can, the process was so odd because basically how it works with Ed and, and, and as they have a a lot of agencies have a TV agent who works with them, so they're kind of a, they have an agreement. So it was a, a wonderful lady called Emily, um, and I got brought down for a meeting back when you could still have them, you know, um, mm, before the plague. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I got we got brought down, and he said, "Oh, there's been a lot of interest in the TV rights for it," and I was like, "But it's like the book isn't out. Like we've only sent it to publishers and stuff," and it was like. Um, I was just like, can I just ask, how do people know about it? Like, I don't, if it's not been sent to TV companies. And like, Emily was literally just there and she just went, it's out there. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I spent 15, 20 years writing scripts. I had scripts that nobody read that I was pushing out there. This is just a book I've written that nobody's read yet. And she was like, it's out there. I was like, how is that even? (laughs) And I was like, this doesn't, this is, I can't believe things are run this way. Um, but yeah, they, Welcome to then, publishing. Yeah. And then it was like, they sort of sent the newspaper and stuff and we had like a lot of interest. Weirdly, quite a lot. Playground is sort of transnational, based between America and Britain. I'm going to try and figure out what the correct word for that is. But um, we had a lot of interest in America and stuff and it was great. You know, we'd sort of like, I won't say names and stuff, but it was really, we had, you know, somebody pitched and went, uh, somebody actually with a very big name pitched and went, we love it but they want to do it with puppets. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I've, I've had some bad experiences with puppets in the past. <laughs> and oh, I, I really? My first ever writing gig. I, 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 I oh, that's, that's a, I'll tell you that next time I see you in a pub. Um, my first ever writing gig was in puppets. I did a lot of puppets. In, I mean, to be fair, I, I had some positive experiences. A little blue bear basically helped buy my flat. Um, so that was his TV <laughs> thing. So don't get me wrong. I'm not against all puppets. Little Nev, God love him. Um, still get the occasional check. But like generally I went, I don't see this. And like they're really good, different puppets. It's like, uh, I'm, I t- I'm in between. Ed's not going to listen to this, but I never li- I never even watched the taster tape. I was like, I can't get my, I just can't <laughs> accept the idea of puppets. I'm sure they're brilliant. And don't get me wrong, love the Muppets, but I have not written the Muppets. And we, yeah, you, and you sort of have all these sort of mad weird little things. And then we eventually, it all gets sorted out and we got a, a good deal and stuff, which is great. And that process was was sort of interesting because you kind of that's kind of out of your control, and it's one of those things where you just sort of go, "We're going to get an email in a couple a couple of days' time. It'll have different stuff in it, and it'll sort itself out." And you kind of, yeah. And look, agents—that's what agents do, and they were great at it. And um, I mean, the big thing is that situation was I had the confidence at that point because I'd done other stuff. To if I didn't understand something, I was asking, and if somebody mm. was pushing puppets, I had the ability to go, uh, "No." because um, you know once you've signed the deal you obviously lose a bit of thing but yes at absolutely. that point you could that's why at that point you do have to you know and i had i had phone i was in america at the time on holidays or at a conference and i had phone meetings uh with a couple of different people and stuff which was odd um especially because they're americans bless them i love americans but 
Americans in these meetings will spend the first five minutes telling you how much they love your work. Um, and I was just sitting there cringing, going, oh, can we please stop saying nice things about me? I'm Irish Catholic. We don't know how to take praise. Um, it's just like literally you're like, I, like I, I've already said thank you twice. I don't know. Should I keep saying thank you? Should I? I've this woman has said more nice things about me in this conversation than my own mother has in 45 years. <laughs> I don't really know how to react. And I was like, just, just say it's a good book. And we'll make it do it. Like, oh, great. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they did a detailed breakdown of how much they loved it. And I was like, Oh, can oh, you, God. can I put the wife on the phone? <laughs> my wife is brilliant. Where my wife is the exact opposite, by the way, was to read a book and I'll go, well, she went, yeah, it's good. Like, really? That was six months love. Could you? She's like, oh, you, you know, sorry. You don't mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But there you go. Oh, and I, well, but there well, I mean, that is a that uh, that is a good problem to have. Too much praise. Too much yeah. praise. Speaking, speaking of praise, people have been comparing this to Ben Aronovich, Terry Pratchett, Christopher Brookmeyer, who gave you a quote. Oh, you that know. was that was genuinely in the whole process uh, for all the you know, getting deals and stuff. That was honestly because Chris Bookmeyer and Terry Pratchett are my all, two all-time favorite yeah. authors, and they just like they just ask in the process. They sort of went, they think, "What authors do you think who you could send it to?" And it was like kind of Adam Kay, who I know a bit well, who was a comedian, is a comedian rather, and he's oh, obviously yeah. wrote that amazing book about the NHS. Mm. Um, this is going to hurt, and um, so I kind of knew him. It's a few people like that, and then they asked for any authors, and like, well. I mean, Chris Brookboy is my all-time favorite, but he's not with the same publisher, which is usually what happens where you can get somebody from the same publisher yeah, or something, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And, but they just sent it to Chris Brookmeyer, and incredibly, incredibly, Chris Brookmeyer just picked it up, obviously liked the idea of it and read it, and wrote back and said some nice stuff. And I was honestly, for a week, I was chuffed to bits. I was so, <laughs> I was genuinely just so thrilled. Just to know that like a guy whose books you have absolutely loved read your book and enjoyed it was, oh, just the best feeling in the world. It was really nice. Um, so yeah, I mean that's been great. But I mean the other stuff, people do obviously always make comparisons. You know yourself, you're gonna, you know, I mean you're gonna do you you'll probably have the same Terry Pratchett one when you're I'm currently reading your book and I'm probably gonna call it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, I've had it I've had it a couple of times. I've had some reviews on Goodreads already and the 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 TP word has come up and I kind of find it terrifying because he's someone who's inspired me. But I'm not writing. I'm not. You know, it's not like I'm intentionally sitting down and going, right. I'm going to write a Terry Pratchett book today because that that you know. How do you even get close to something like that? You know, that kind of genius and that voice and everything about it. So I'm just worried I'm going to be disappointing people. But it is that thing of just like you said earlier with Ben Aronovich. You, you just want people to kind of put you on the same shelf. So if you like that, you might like this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, people um, need people need signposts. That's the reality we all yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, if yeah. you like this, you know, Netflix and Amazon and stuff have got all these algorithms because people do like something different but in a similar area. Um, and yeah, with all these, I mean, I, I know Terry Pratchett fans, they are incredibly protective, as they should be. Oh, but yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the reactions to the series that hasn't come out yet. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> they've, made it, they've made it. For anyone who doesn't know Terry Pratchett, uh, BBC America have made a steampunk version of uh, is it Nightwatch? Is that the? Is it? That's well, the actual... it's the. the no. They're calling it. The, they're calling it the City Watch. The City, the City Watch, Watch is based on. Yeah, this, yeah. This, Vimes is one of his big, big characters, and it's based on the City Watch and Act More Pork and all that. Um, and from when the first cast photograph came out, yeah. um, the the fans hated it, and like to the point where I'm like, well, like, all right, it's different. I personally, I'm like, give it a chance. 
I was the same. Give him a chance. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, and then and, I saw and, the trailer. <laughs> yeah, and then in the trailer, Vimes is throwing, like he's literally giving the finger and stuff, and you're like, that's not mm. what he would do. Yeah. And that, that feels like books? it's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it does, you know, and it's so, I must admit, I'm still going to tr- give it a shot, but because that's the, look, you know, as writers, I think I've been asked that about, you know, with stuff being changed, and I can still go and say this. The Dublin books are being signed up to... Uh, a, a, a production company in in Britain have signed up to them. Um, actually, it's all signed. Chris Addison, um, who's the oh, brilliant yes. comedian, fantastic. And, yeah, 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 he's yeah. the director. He's, he's one thing, but I don't know how Chris got a hold of the books. But um, he read the books, and I basically he went to Avalon and said he wanted to talk to me. And we've got got option there, and I'm really thrilled because Chris is just a. I don't know him that well. I've only met him a couple times before, but as soon as we had a chat, we got on great, and we talked about the yeah. books. And frankly, we talked about they move through this thing quite quickly. And realistic for a TV series, we'd probably be staying in this sort of general area. And one of the first things I said was, yeah, no, I, I think it, I can see that for TV, the way I've done the books doesn't necessarily work. But yeah. there are, like, basically, there's a world I've built, there's, there's characters there. And I actually said, frankly, there's some really good scenes, I think, in certain books that would work, really good cha- chapters, I think, would work really well for TV, and elements, I think, would work really well for TV. And I'm frankly more than happy to kind of go through, especially when you trust the person you're talking to and going, yeah. let's just take this bit out. And, you know, there's some of these scenes here I think will be really useful. And we'll do something as long as the characters or the spirit of them is right. Yes. And, you know, a, a lot of a sudden, you know, like I said, I think I said, the main thing is all of a sudden, Bunny McGarry, one of the fundamental things is he has a respect for women that is, you know, it's, it's a, let's face it, it's, everybody should have that. It's like, it's a particularly big, but I was like, as long as he kind of keeps like something like that, if he turns around and slaps a woman, then no, I will not let that That'd be, be on TV. But that's like, but as long as you keep respect the sort of the hum- respect the humor and the characters fundamentally, then things can change and that's fine. And I think you have to be, you know, and um, where where it goes wrong is uh, when the writers ignored and when they take sort of somebody goes off on their own and just sort of takes elements and runs with it. And you know, we we all know there's been some car crashes in that area. I mean, there's been some great t- like Killing Eve. I think they're quite different to the books, but mm. the TV series is universally beloved. LA Confidential is one of my all-time favorite films. It is frankly superior to the book. And I will I will fight anyone. <laughs> I will fight anyone to the death who says otherwise. The book is very good in one way, but the, the the film is super, you know, so it can work well. I think you have to be flexible as long as you understand the process and it really is like if it doesn't if it's not steampunk Sam Vimes. Um then, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's get back to Stranger Times because the other amazing thing you're doing uh, on on the marketing front is, and this, you know, I always try and put people off doing this, but you're doing a podcast. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I've got enough hassle in my life. Um, but basically, exactly, uh, bloody hell. Well, to, honestly, where it kind of came out of was, I mean, the newspaper, which we've we basically turned into a pod, uh, the, the newspaper into a website. Because I know the last time I was on, people were asking about seeing the newspaper. We basically made mm. it into a website called thestrangetimes.co.uk, which you're by all means welcome to go and have a look at. And as part of the process, uh, one of the big things, by the way, uh, was when I was going through this with, with that I was very concerned about, I actually mentioned it before we signed deals and everything, was um, I want to do what indies do, where we have a mailing list, we have a yeah. thing in the back of the book where people can sign up and they will get short story a short in my text they get collection of short stories and i was like i really want that because i understand fundamentally that bar anything else your day de- as a debut author that's when you get the biggest push yeah um so yeah, i was yeah. like when we're doing that i want to have something at the back of the book people can sign up to be on my mailing list so when the next book comes out i can do the kind of marketing i do as well as the kind of marketing you do 
And to be fair to Transworld, they got on board with that. And I think when they were quite, when they when I started, look, I've got 11,000 people on a mailing list here, let's use them. They were cool with that. Now, obviously, they're for a different genre, but they'll still, you'll get a section of them across. So mm. I, I kind of said all that and they agreed to that. And it's in the back of the book um, that there's the sign up and stuff, which was honestly really important to me. And I have heard again in the authors when they went hybrid say that they couldn't get that and stuff. So I made a big deal of it to the point where Ed was like, I'm sure every time I, I sent it to, I said it to Ed in a phone call or when I put an email, he was rolling his eyes going, oh, not the main list again. He's going to bring this up every <laughs> damn time. And I did because it was important to me and and I'm, I was right. And I'm, you know, I, I stuck to my guns on it. And I didn't have to fight them in the end. It was just sort of making sure it happened and it did. Mm, um, yeah. But I was, there, I was doing short stories. Yeah, I was doing short stories anyway to give us a giveaway. And then, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we've all been at home for quite some time. Um, so I was doing, frankly, uh, short, more short stories and stuff because they're a nice little break. When I, I literally just have, even my wife was going, you should take a day off. I'm like, well, I do. I'll sit on the sofa. Um, you know, that was, <laughs> my idea was a break ended up being, I'll write a short story. Um, and the great thing with this, the Stranger Times area is just there's so many opportunities to do short stories. And to be honest, I did a ridiculous amount and had a lot of fun with them. I've got like 10 of them, I think, done now. So then I had all these things. And then I thought, well, you know, what can we do with them? Like, this, that's a lot to give away as a as a as a freebie to get people to sign up. And then, um, as I you know mentioned before, I was a stand up comedian up until last year, and obviously all my mates are still stand up comedians. And in all seriousness, I mean, all areas of the arts are being hammered at the minute, unfortunately, um, stand up particularly badly, because um, oh, yeah. they do, you know, it's very hard to do anything and stuff. So I had a lot of mates who were sort of knocking around, and I thought. Well, we could, you know, get some of them to um, to narrate them for us. And I thought, you know, this would be – and I started asking around some mates and stuff who were good, and then, and they got, you know, they was like, oh, yeah, well, was it? and, you know, and I'll point out we paid them for it because, pe- frankly, creatives should be paid and people don't have this, like, weird idea that it's it's some kind of luxury. No, they should be paid, and then we, we could afford it, so we definitely paid them. And we basically did the Stranger Times podcast, and it's basically – we did news stories in it. I got one of my friends to read the news, which is kind of, again, reusing the stuff we use on the website – and then me explaining a little bit and then each one of them reading a different short story. And it's great because it's really good. We think it's good because we think it'll be good to get interest in the book. And we're seeing a little bit of that and it's building, which is lovely. Um, Cause as we record this, it's uh, late November, we should probably say just in case. So, uh, you know, we're, we're building towards the January release, but the other side of it is again, if we have the podcast there, the great hope is that people enjoy the book. They will sign up for the podcast and the big thing is you've got to take someone who enjoyed something and make them into a fan and give them all this stuff. And to be honest, first and foremost, it was a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun for me because I really enjoy doing the short stories. Hearing different people narrate them has been cool. And like some mm. people, friends of mine who've done, done a move, never narrated anything before in their lives. And hearing someone who's never done that before, just grab it and run with it and do a really good job. And I won't name names because I don't want to pick anyone individual out. But that's been so cool. And it's been so exciting to hear those different things. And we've been great, the people we've got. And like Ben Crompton, who's a mate of mine, who's just, he is a stand-up, but most people would know him for being in Game of Thrones and lots of different things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he, he did it like, and he only had a bit short amount of time, but he just gave him this short story based in Manchester. He's a Manchester boy uh, and he just nailed it. And that was just one example. That was the first one I heard. And that was like, oh, I'm excited now. <laughs> and it's and it's been great and the great thing is i think it's one of those things that's evergreen where it'll be there and i think we're going to do a season of maybe about 12 of them and then when the next book comes out in a year's time we might do another six and sort of yeah. use them that way and things with short stories like that and stuff they're all there so at some point in the future they could be published as a book but it's just i think 
just generally for an author, just taking stuff like that and seeing what assets you've got and what you like fancy doing and then finding creative ways to use them like that. And again, I think things like that trans world have kind of gone, oh, wow, this, we've never seen someone do this before. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is you know, exciting and, and it's a bit different. So it's been really positive, yeah. It's been fantastic. Listeners, we'll put a link to that in the show notes of this, but only listen to it after you've finished this. But after, now come back. No, oh, we've lost them. Okay. Uh, Quave, finally, let's wrap things up. Uh, the big question on everyone's lips is how is Dilla? <laughs> uh, the dog's fine, thanks. I mean, he's Good. got, bless him, he's, he's got a dodgy tummy now and then, but uh, he's doing well. He's, <laughs> uh, he's enjoying his new weird little life where uh, we actually go to Ireland for two weeks to be in isolation and then two weeks of seeing my mother because uh, she's on her own for, for a while. And uh, so the dog now is an international traveler who's getting uh, used <laughs> to the idea now that every time he turns up somewhere, he's like, oh, I live here, here now. Um, and he's, <laughs> we actually genuinely stayed on a, uh, we're very lucky where my sister has a holiday home in uh, just outside Dublin in Wicklow. And uh, we stayed in this sort of holiday park. Uh, and it's weird because uh, it's like being in a really nice start to a zombie film where there's nobody around <laughs> and you're just wandering around all these places. There's very few people. And you're like, oh, this is, you're like, this was the apocalypse of goes. This isn't a bad one, you know? <laughs> but yeah. So he's grand. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well, they have to wrap it up there, Quave. Um, but best of luck with Stranger Times. It is one of the, I just loved every page and I cannot wait for the next one. And, you know, come and speak to us again when that comes out. Absolutely. Thanks. And thanks very much to everyone in the BXP group for all their support. Uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's been great. I shall speak to you very soon. I tell you what, in terms of minutes per entertainment value, Queen is <laughs> right up there. <laughs> it's just, He's the best. I He's love fantastic. it. Yeah. His, yeah. his energy, his laugh. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just so chuffed. For, I'm so chuffed for Queef because um, – it's been it's been quite a journey. I mean, you you talked about some of the incredible things that have happened just with this book, but I remember specifically that moment where we discovered that Queeve and and Ian, uh, Ian Sainbury in, in our BXP team as well, were both jointly nominated in the the shortlist yes. of the top five uh, out of twelve thousand, or was it twenty thousand authors? There was many, the, many, 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 many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kindle yeah. Storyteller Awards, and they yeah. were both. We, we, they were both in the BXP team. Well, they both are in the BXP team, but to get two of those. And then this banter started between the two of them, <laughs> pre-award ceremony about who was going to win it and who was going to knock the other one off. Um, but ironically, when you look at like Queeve's journey since that point, it's just been on this incredible trajectory, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he, he, you know, he treats it as a business, but he has the passion of someone who does it for fun. You know, I mean, I, I was, uh, he asked me, I was very honored. He asked me to do the Q and a for his Facebook launch party. Uh, and frankly, I just asked one question and off he went, he was on the rum and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And, and frankly, folks skip forward to about 39 minutes because Dilla, the dog, his wonderful dog makes an appearance. And that's the highlight of the show. I'll also the, the, the episode we did with Ian and, and Quive, I'll put the, a link in the show notes to that as well. Cause that was very, very entertaining, but he has such enthusiasm, such passion. 
um, for for his writing. And he's got this wonderful partnership with his wife who uh, essentially, you know, manages uh, their publishing business. Um, So we can all learn so much from the way that he works and operates and the way that, and it was great being on his launch because you saw how wonderful his readers are, how how passionate they are about his books. And he's trying something new. He's trying something a bit different. You know, Stranger Times is a little bit Terry Pratchett, is a little bit, uh, Chris Brookmeyer and, and Robert Rankin, and it has this strangeness to it. So it is a bit of a risk. And, you know, when you do that, you do worry you might alienate some of your readers, but they're wonderful readers. They completely embraced it. And it was it was such a fantastic evening. It was. I actually watched it. And um, what I loved was when 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 he came came on in this little kind of writing lot writing shed there at the backdrop there were all of these um index cards all yeah. different colors yeah, yeah. all put up and he mentioned i think within a few minutes that because people say what what's that what's that thing behind you and, <laughs> and and he said that's actually the outline for book two and you just mm. don't get to see that right and you think yeah, let's yeah. go back 20 30 years you know that the closest you'd get to an author would be maybe you know an opportunity to to shake their hand and get a book signing at Waterstones. That that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. Here now now we've got we've got authors both indie and trad, which is there's got to be a joint word for someone who's doing both for Queeve. Like what would the word be? Well, hybrid, hybrid, hybrid I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we yeah. could we could come up with something which uses Indian trad as a, a weird kind of anagram. But to trindy. see to trin, trindy. Trindy, I love it. There you go. Oh, officially, no. what have I done? No, officially. <laughs> okay, folks. When the Wikipedia entry, if I, someone stick it up, we can't do it because we'll probably get banned for doing it. Somebody put up Trindy and say first referenced by Mark Stay on the Bestseller Experiment episode three hundred and one. Trindy, Trindy. And let's okay. Let's do. <laughs> I love an experiment. Let's see if that word starts to seep into the publishing world. Trindy, <laughs> Trindy. Yeah, hybrid. Perfect. It sounds like a car. Hybrid sounds Trin- like a car. Well, trendy you know. sounds quite good because it sounds a bit like trendy, but mm. it's not quite trendy. It's trendy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I promise you this is going to happen, Mark. There will be 100,000 Google searches on the word trendy by the five years down the road. I feel like Dr. Frankenstein. What hath I wrought upon the earth? <laughs> I love it. Oh, I did this back in the. You know what though? I've I've, I've got past ex- experience on this. Oh, Mark. I bet I you have. Have. <laughs> I have. You look up the word on Wikipedia, philanthropreneur. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not kidding you. 1998 or 2001, first reference in an article written by Mark Devoe, and then it was in like the the Wall Street Journal. Da 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 da. And then all these guys that are giving away all their wealth. You know, they, you've heard about these yeah. philanthropists who are giving away 99 percent of the wealth before they die philanthropreneurs and i actually just made the word up about 20 years go check it out wikipedia philanthropreneur it's there so let's One watch day, trendy. your crimes against the english language will come back to haunt you <laughs> this should be a new thing invent a new word every week oh, oh my okay, god don't trendy. encourage him <clears throat> anyway sorry back to queeve yes back yes queeve. yes focus mark focus um self-talk by the way not for you um <laughs> Oh, and another piece of the puzzle falls into place. Exactly. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is brilliant. Sorry, it's, it's only night. It's like not even ten o'clock in the morning here. People will be thinking I've been drinking on. Yes. Shall we talk about this? Let's Shall we talk, talk about, about this? This, this, is, this is genius. The, this is uh, obviously not, if you're listening not on, on podcast, YouTube. Yeah, yeah for uh, those not. By the way, we're doing this on YouTube now, folks, as well. So if you want to actually see this happening live, 
um, well, not live, but you can see us doing this episode. Come over to the Bestseller Experiment channel on YouTube. But Mark has got in his hand. Crave talks about this, and, and this came because I was I was lucky enough. I was sent a copy of the proof, and this, and this is the newspaper that first of all, Queeve and Ed, his agent, my agent, sent out to publishers all over um, to sort of get them in. And it's, yeah, it is kind of gimmicky, but it really works because it just goes, okay, this is a copy of the paper that's in the book. And it's got all these brilliant articles, you know, about Dawkins is God and, you know, things about ghosts and strange cats and Cleopatra. And the adverts are just, and the small ads and look, there's aliens and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. It's just genius absolute genius yeah so um yeah it's just and this fantastic. was this was something that he did just to, to put this into perspective i know we talked about in the interview but for people who've seen this on youtube they this was something that they created as part of the promotion to try and sell the book not just not not just to sell a book like to us as readers but to sell the book to get to get actually the, yeah. published this started with the agent pitching it to publishers and as queeve said other publishers who weren't even sent this were going well, well where's mine and then right. in, in the selling, you know, when the publisher's selling it to booksellers, they showed him this as well. This is the psychic- crossword. Yeah, bring it up to the camera so we can have a look. It's a psych- is- psychic crossword, like you need like, like you need us to tell you, and down is, yeah, you know these two. It's, it's just, <laughs> just the entire cute. Yeah. I love a crossword. I must admit, it's one of my favorite pastimes, so that is brilliant. It is fantastic. But, you know, that's what, that's, you know, the thing is, when you think about, if you're sitting down to write a book, Right, you've got to really delve into your imagination, and we put so much of our effort into the into building these incredible characters, incredible plots. But often, what most people do is they stop. They they think, oh, I can only do that between the front page and the back cover. No, take that, take that inventiveness, take that imagination, and bring it outside the book. Bring it into the world of what we all think about marketing. It's like, oh, marketing, I can't, I can't, I don't like that. No, it's just another opportunity to be inventive. And Queef has given an absolutely stunning example and i i mean i'm sure that paper i mean it probably took a you know a lot of time to to create and a lot mm. of thought went into it but that little ex that bit of extra effort from the usual just let's just pitch the book and see what happens that probably made all the difference i can't i'm if you'd taken that out and and you could kind of like in a parallel universe see what happened i bet you that made a huge huge difference to to what's happened with queef now and all the success he's he's having and he's going to have i mean for me what's super exciting where does it go from here? <laughs> How does he build on this trajectory right now? I mean, you know, he mentions Ben Aronovich in the interview. He could be the next Ben Aronovich in terms of kind of numbers oh, of sales. Yeah, no, no question <laughs> at all. No. And of course, the, it's been optioned for TV, which is exciting, you know. So and um, so, yeah. Who knows? This is uh, this really is just the beginning. I'm, you know, it's it's just wonderful, just wonderful. And yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see where he goes next with this. It's, it's going absolutely going to be great. And, and, and we say it a lot, and it's a bit, you know, you can say it's a bit of a stereotype, but it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I mean, absolutely hardest working, one of the hardest working people we know in the in the industry. Um, but like you say, does it with joy and a great laugh. And uh, we salute you, Creve. I mean, you know, you've you, you, as I say, there's no such thing in luck. There's no such thing as luck in this world. It's you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, and that's an inspiration to us all. It's just you keep going. Um, and he's had he's had more than his fair share of challenges along the way, but he's you know still coming out singing and dancing, and no longer has a flooded flat, which I'm really glad to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did you enjoy most about the launch party, apart from the appearance of his infamous dog? Well, Dilla was wonderful. Uh, I just thought it was um, there was a pace to it and an excitement. I mean, Quive was 
clearly really really happy and excited yeah. and that is infectious and that comes across uh the music at the end was really really cool um you know and but i think it was just that interaction with his readers which is a you know so essential um because his wife was behind the scenes sort of collating uh the questions and was feeding them through to me through streamyard as we were going mm. along so i was able to you know so you could you had if you're a reader, if you're a fan of Queeves, you could you know you can have that in interactivity and and yeah it was um and I you know I've got mine on fourth of February Facebook and and, and uh, YouTube and uh, sign up to my newsletter to find out more folks there'll be a link very soon um and I've learned a lot from that you know I'm I, I'm going to be pinching a lot of ideas yeah. uh, but you know so uh, I mean we've had uh, do you remember when we had Mark Edwards on the show and he was the only author we knew who was doing those doing kind that of, yeah that was season and, one wasn't it so that was yeah. right back near the beginning yeah and again this is I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well but it was um back then I think it was just oh well this is really innovative this is quite unique not many people are doing this it's you know. It needs some technical savvy. But since then, all kinds of tools have come along that make it so much easier for people to do it. So yeah. why not? Why not? And I think as well, encouraging people that think, oh, no, that's not something I'd ever think of doing. That I, That's not my space. I don't feel comfortable. Um, well, we didn't feel comfortable about doing a podcast. Right, four years on, we wish whack on these microphones and just start chatting. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to just try it. Try a launch party with your nearest and dearest, and have a you know because that's what you do. I remember when we launched back to reality. I remember going back into the house and Jen had got you know three or four. No, oh, actually more than that. It was about. 15 20 people had a full house, um, didn't it? Yeah. It, it was a full house and we had a, we had that big cake that she brought in and and it was a celebration now if that were today we'd have to do that on zoom we couldn't we you know we, we'd invite friends on zoom so invite your friends on zoom don't think of it as like oh it has to be a big public just get some practice about yeah. doing this stuff get comfortable in front of a camera and realize that people don't care. It's like, I mean, look at my studio, you know, I'm going to clean them up. <laughs> I've got this book over here, Back to Reality. I don't know what that is. But yeah. it's like, you know, I used to th- I used to think about, oh, I've got to have like this green screen backdrop with like some kind of, you know, um, Arctic beautiful scene or some, you know, snow-capped mountains and look really people don't care. What people care about is the is the content. They're interested in you, the author, your story. They want to see your enthusiasm. What's worth checking out? Um, Ian W. Sainsbury, when we mentioned him earlier in the show, uh, he does a Friday night drop-in. That's right. Every Friday night. Seems seems some of those as well. Is it 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock? Sorry, Ian, I've forgotten. But basically, if you follow Ian on on Twitter and and Facebook, uh, I think they're now on YouTube. So people who don't like Facebook can join in as well. And he's using StreamYard to do that. And Ian just is, is just very relaxed. He has a drink. It's him talking to his readers. He's built this brilliant rapport with them. It's all very chilled, all very relaxed. It's just wonderful. So yeah. Yeah, check in out too. So take take the pressure off yourselves. Don't think that this has to be some Hollywood production and that you have no. to be able to speak coherently. It gets easier <laughs> and easier. I mean, look, listen to me and Mark, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, we can, if we can blag our way through this, anyone can, frankly. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. So, yeah, just 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 give it a go and and also you know do a, if you're thinking of doing it a really good idea 
you know, is to go and go and check out this. There's lots of book, book launches now that have been recorded and archived on YouTube. Go and watch a few. Borrow. Come to mine first. <laughs> yeah, go to Mark first, and and but borrow from from what people do, what you like about them, what you don't like about them. This is an opportunity, and what I love about this, you know, one of the hardest things I think as an author is that, and again, traditionally, you'd, you'd release your book, and you never ever knew anything beyond that, apart from maybe somebody meeting at a book signing, and you actually get to meet like a fan or someone who loves your book, and it's like, oh my gosh, these people actually exist, and it makes you realise why you do what you do. But nowadays, to be able to interact with your fans um, makes it a lot more real. And to get the feedback and the stories from people about how the books affected them and how much they loved it and how it changed their life in whatever way it has done, you know, that's, that is fuel to the tank of every author. And I think the more, the more authors can get that kind of level of feedback um, is, is super important to keep you going through the hard times. You think, why oh, am I doing this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't. Like, how many people right now listen to this podcast going, well, I just... I love writing. I hate writing. I love writing. I hate writing. It's like that. On well, this was this side. is the great. We have these um, twice a month coaching sessions on on the academy, and it's the highlight of the month because we get to know them as much as we, they get to know us. And you know, we had one. I had a craft coaching one just the other night. You know, and we were talking about first drafts. What needs to be right in your first draft? Get staying motivated while you're editing. Uh, you know, uh, self editing novels the nature of chapters inhabiting characters choosing your voice past tense present tense what happens when you get really really stuck you know so that's an hour conversation we're all chipping in we're all chatting away you know so these online environments are there now you don't have to do this on your own anymore yeah absolutely i think it's absolutely brilliant that that coaching session was fantastic as well because there was what amazes me and we've we've probably done at least about six hours each now of coaching in the academy and they're all archived which is great so you can kind of go back and look at all the questions but every single time we do one of those coaching sessions there are themes that come up and sometimes they're very similar themes you know about confidence about you know i, I think my writing's rubbish um I, I, you know, staying motivated and inhabiting characters, but there's always a kind of a new take. There's always something new to learn. And it's, for me, it's, it's a process that we never stop learning we never stop learning. And the minute we think we know it all, that's, that's the minute when everything goes pear shaped to be honest. So, um, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. So if you're not doing something like that, then, then, then look for, look for your place, look for your, find your tribe. Um, don't do this alone, folks. Honestly, do not do this alone, write alone or write with someone else, but, but, Find a community that you really that really understand who you are and really get you and find your tribe because you're not weird, you're not alone. Um, we're all in this together. So excellent stuff. Excellent, absolutely. So um, oh, we could talk about Queeve's interview as well, so much more. But um let let's just say to people, go back and listen to the original Queeve interview as well and just listen to the journey between those two. That's what's lovely about having him back on the show. Listen to the journey of the two and, and see see what's happened. It's fantastic. But let's jump into social media, Mark. There's a lot going on on social media this week. Well, we've been gathering these public declarations. Now, if, again, if you're new to the podcast, um, our public declaration, when we started the podcast, we were going to write a book together, get it up the Kindle charts in a year. And we did it. You know, and I think us making that public and putting it out there puts a fire up your backside. You know, it makes you do something, uh, and it, it does. You know, it does work. It really does work. So we always say to our our academics, our, our patrons, you know, uh, let us know what is your uh, public declaration for the year. So we had a few, and they vary wildly. Some are very detailed. Some are very ambitious. I would always say to people, 
make it something you can achieve. You know, don't overdo it. If don't say I'm going to write 15 novels in a year if you've never even finished one before. You know, but make it just finishing a book in a year is a colossal achievement. It puts you ahead of 90 90% of of of, of the other writers out there, you know. So anyway, so here are a few of them. Um Rhoda Baxter, uh, who is, you know, a friend of the podcast, has been on quite a few times. uh, And she's just said, inspired by the podcast, I made a list. And she's got a photo on Twitter that just says, crazy plans. And that's it. I can't see any more of it. But, you know, so that's one she's keeping to herself. I can see the word Netflix there. Jeeve, actually, in your uh, uh, on your picture, so ooh, that's exciting. Um, but there, here we go. We got one from Jackie Kirkham, uh, who says a public declaration of sorts. This here notebook, and it's got a photo of a notebook. It's beautifully handwritten. It's really cool. Um, is going in the pants drawer for six weeks, <laughs> and then rewriting, editing is a go. COVID permitting, and specifically depending on the school situation and whether more homeschooling is required. My aim is to get this self-published by Christmas 2021. Working title, The Calm Place. So, Jackie, we want to read The Calm Place. We, we, could all do, we want to read the, yeah, we'll we, do a bit of that right now, I think. Absolutely I, brilliant, Jackie. I want to go to there. Josh Atkinson. Josh, who has been on the podcast uh, just recently, we do these Academy All-Stars. He wrote 52 stories, one a week, uh, every week last year. Just incredible. Um, But uh, Josh says, 2021 public declaration, I will hit the hood level word count this year. Now, Mr. D, do you want to explain what the hood level word count is? Yeah, the hood level word count is now an official, it's in the bestseller experiment lexicon now. It is uh, none other than our Academate and BXP team member, Mark Hood, who wrote every single day last year he did he started on the 200 word challenge uh back at the back end of 2019 i think he had a little bit of a kind of a a warm-up run to the first of january and then he wrote from the first of january to the 31st of december every single day minimum of 200 words but averaged a lot more and we're going to be doing a special uh mark might even not know this actually but um we're going to be doing a special on mark um with mark to ask him a bit about how he did that because i think it's it's incredible to learn from his achievements but josh has now been inspired and has yeah. come up with his term the hood level <laughs> the hood level so he's doing that he's going to publish another 52 short stories this year he will write three novels this year and he wants to increase his social media presence and i follow josh on social media and who boy has he he's he's really putting it out there and inspiring wow. lots of authors so give josh a follow on jw atkinson on social media A.S. Blake got in touch, public declaration 2021. So I don't normally do any type of declarations, uh, not my thing, but because a big part of me doesn't want to jinx myself, but here goes. <laughs> so in 2020, A.S. Blake wrote 201, 245,000 words. So uh, most of it, first drafts of books. In 2021, uh, I hope to write 250,000 words and finish two books. Eesh, is it too early to panic about this? No, no. Uh, you, you panic away just as long as you're writing. Uh, so good luck. Good luck, A.S. Blake. That's you. brilliant. And also, let's just remind people, words are your currency, so fill your bank account. I mean, the more words you have, the more opportunities you've got, the more things you've got to edit and play with. And hearing those kind of levels of word count in a year are just phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Got one from Amelia Vincent, uh, Public Declaration 2021. This year, I'm going to finish the book I started writing last month, learn the mysterious dark art of redrafting and self-editing, edit and self-publish the current work in progress, as well as the two other books I wrote last year. Write at least two other books, one for each series, launch my fiction podcast. 
Ooh, podcast. Oh, my okay. gosh. That suddenly sounds like a lot. Yes, it is. I uh, <laughs> feel a little bit scared now. Yes, you should. But I can do it, right? Right. Yes, you can, Amelia. You definitely can. This is very Brilliant. exciting. Really looking forward to that. So, yeah, let us know your public declarations, folks. We want to know that. And a, and a lovely bit of good news as well. Shell Vess, who is uh, one of our BXP supporters, I've got a picture of here sniffing the anthology Tales from the Treehouse because it contains one of her short stories. And we we have a tradition here uh, started by author Penilla Hughes. When you get your book, and I do it in my unboxing video, I give the book a sniff. I like that. I, to- I like the homage to the <laughs> That was great. <laughs> You've got to sniff those pages. So, Shell, huge congratulations to you for uh, getting in that anthology. Tales from the Treehouse, B is for beauty. Congratulations on that. So... Make those dreams happen, folks. Thanks for getting in touch. If you want to find us on social media, it's easy peasy. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Bestseller XP, Instagram at Bestseller XP, and on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. And yes, come over to bestsellerexperiment.com and find the contact tab and drop us a line there. Absolutely. And if you are interested in joining us at the Bestseller Academy, it is currently full, folks, I'm afraid, but we are allowing applications to already be submitted for the next time we open the doors. So I would suggest, strongly suggest that you get over to the website, academy.bestsellerexperiment.com and get your application completed now in advance, because then you will have priority uh, review on that and um, we'll be letting you know by email as soon as those doors reopen again and please also if you'd like to support this podcast if you've enjoyed this podcast if you've been inspired by one thing on this podcast you must support us by going to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support it's what keeps the podcast alive and well so thank you so much to everyone that already is supporting the podcast on that front and we look forward to inviting uh, new people into uh, our fold as well and again have a great week mark have a great build up to this launch very exciting time it's uh i ah oh, i love it I, I it just brings back all those back to reality memories and we should say if you haven't yet read back to reality Dun, dun, yeah. on youtube you can see it there sitting on my sitting on my windowsill there um please pop along to amazon and if you've read it please give us a review if you loved it or if you didn't like it as well tell us <laughs> we don't mind <laughs> we we love once well we don't we love one star reviews but we but do please give us a review and if you'd like to give us a review on itunes as well that actually helps us reach more writers because uh, there's some weird algorithm which we still haven't sussed out on apple but apparently the more reviews we get um, the more they'll they'll push the podcast. So let's get the word out there. And thank you to everyone who's been doing that this last week because we did actually ask if people could push this out on Facebook, Instagram, socials, tell people about the bestseller experiment, bring them in. You never know, they might love it, they might like it. Anyway, have a great week, Mark. Good luck with all your preps and we'll speak to everyone next week. Join us on YouTube if you want to see uh, us live as well. All right, have a great one and it's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2, goodbye. Goodbye. To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe.